Welcome to The Commentaries, a podcast series from TAN in which you'll learn how to read and understand history's greatest Catholic works from today's greatest Catholic scholars. In every series of The Commentaries, your expert host will be your personal guide to not just read the book, but to live the book, shining the light of its eternal truths into our modern darkness. Visit TANCommentaries.com to get your copy of the book and to subscribe for access to all the great reading plans, new episodes, bonus content, and exclusive deals for listeners of the commentaries. Hello, and welcome to the 19th episode of the commentary series on the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. I'm Sister Mary Madeline Todd, a Dominican Sister of the Congregation of St. Cecilia in Nashville, Tennessee. Today is day 19 in our series, and we'll be concluding St. Catherine's Treatise of Obedience with a section concerning final perseverance and prayer. We'll begin with the subsection, How the Truly Obedient Receive a Hundredfold, and conclude with the book's final subsection, how this most devout soul, thanking and praising God, makes prayer for the whole world and for the Holy Church. Let us begin with the prayer of St. Catherine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Eternal God, Eternal Trinity, You have made the blood of Christ so precious through His sharing in Your divine nature. You are a mystery as deep as the sea. The more I search, the more I find, and the more I find, the more I search for you. But I can never be satisfied. What I receive will ever leave me desiring more. When you fill my soul, I have an ever greater hunger, and I grow more famished for your light. I desire above all to see you, the true light, as you really are. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome back. In our last segment, the 18th in this series, the Father revealed to Catherine in response to her prayerful request how obedience is planted in a soul, what nourishes it, And what are the signs that obedience is present? He likewise commented on how it could be lost, as well as the role of the religious vow of obedience in fostering the virtue of obedience within consecrated souls. As seen in Catherine's earlier description of the tree of love growing in the soul, all virtue begins in humility, and all vice is rooted in pride. The same is true of obedience. If a soul is humble, patient, and discreet, she chooses to obey because she places her trust more in God and in the truth and goodness of His will than in self. On the contrary, a person who is proud will ultimately always reject obedience. The highest model of obedience is Christ Himself who sought not to be served, but to serve, and who gave his life in obedience to the Father's will for the salvation of the whole world. In a typically energetic image for Catherine, she writes of how Christ ran to the cross 
like one mad with love. Obedience is the surest path to the kingdom of God. The father tells Catherine that all souls are called to obey the commandments, and this is the larger door through which one passes into heaven. To St. Peter and to his successors, the popes, our Lord entrusted the keys so that by obeying the church, souls can be sure that they are following the guidance of the Holy Spirit. There is, however, a smaller door which some pass through by responding to the call to take a vow of obedience. These bind themselves to an even more narrow way and to the kingdom, but they do so for great love of God and neighbor. By their vow of obedience, they strive to cast off self-will and any undue attachments to the things of this passing world. The Father points out that His Spirit inspired certain great saints to found religious orders which would be like ships, safe and sturdy, that could carry souls across the stormy waters of this world. He praises Saints Dominic and Francis as two strong pillars that uphold His Church. Since Catherine herself was called to follow in the way of St. Dominic, the Father gives extensive commentary on the beauty of a life such as St. Dominic's, consumed by prayerful study of sacred truth in order to guide souls by the light of faith and the grace of the Holy Spirit. The Christian who obeys the laws of God expressed in the commandments and the religious who obeys the rule of a religious order participate in the saving obedience of Jesus Christ, a sure and unfailing path to union with God in this life and eternal joy in heaven. The Father then echoes the promise made to those who leave all for the sake of the kingdom that they will receive a hundredfold in this life and eternal life in the world to come. The Father points out to Catherine that this hundredfold is not necessarily temporal goods, although he often rewards the person who gives alms, even materially. The hundredfold is rather in return for the surrender of one's will to God. Since the number 100 signifies perfection and fullness, the Father says that this refers to charity as the abundant reward for the soul who has left all to follow Christ. Since charity is the most perfect of the virtues, it is the reward of those who exercise both the general obedience of living in the commandments and the particular obedience of the religious life. He goes on to explain that charity's perfection includes the fact that it is the virtue that goes with us into eternal life since, as is also noted in the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas on the virtues, hope and faith will be fulfilled when we behold the vision of God. Yet charity remains. Charity is the hundredfold given to us both in this life and in eternity. This charity casts out all sadness and fills the soul with joy. Charity is a transparent virtue not one that falsifies its motives. So the soul that walks in charity serves her neighbor with open and true affection. 
One who is thus full of love will receive divine grace to remain obedient unto death, since her will is perfectly one with the Lord's. The Father tells Catherine that in contrast to the joy an obedient and loving soul experiences, one who is disobedient lives in constant sadness and confusion of mind, especially if this person belongs to a religious order. The disobedient religious is always in contradiction to the very promise he has made and to those in the community, especially the superiors. Disobedience is the fruit of impatience and pride and is rooted in self-love. For the one who is proud, submission of will is utterly impossible and becomes a cause of profound misery. For those attached to their own will, an attempt to live in obedience will be rejected, poverty will be avoided, and purity will be ignored. For the person who is rooted in self-love, the eye of the intellect is not enlightened by faith. So the things of this world are more alluring and attractive than the things of God. Even if one has left the world bodily, If the desires for the things of this world remain in his affections, obedience becomes wearisome. He wishes to make himself at home in this world, while the religious order wishes him to be a pilgrim, and so his soul remains in continual torment. If he be converted and returned to true obedience, such a disobedient religious could experience the joy of following in the way of the Lord since the obedience of the Lamb of God removed the sting of pain from it. But the disobedient religious is like one who jumps overboard from the ship, trying to swim by the strength of his own arms in a stormy sea, rather than by sailing on the safe ship of the religious order. He may yet remain in the order in body, but if his desires have left, he is at sea, at the mercy of the crosswinds of his conflicting desires. Even if he's clothed with the religious habit on his body, he is not so in his heart. In one whose inner desires and affections have become corrupt, the tree of the soul, which should be strong in love and virtue, will be rather a tree of death and vice. Signs of this corruption in a religious include tendency to preach in polished worldly terms rather than the simplicity of the gospel. Such a religious is constantly critical of the superiors of the order and finds more delight in worldly and sinful conversation than in holy. He easily grows angry at anyone who tries to correct him and takes scandal with those around him. Since he cannot abide true self-knowledge, He not only leaves the inner cell of self-knowledge, but also will not remain in the monastic cell. He does not take his meals in common with the community. He, being completely opposed to the obedient, is the last to arrive at prayers and the first to leave. He avoids penance and both vocal and mental prayer. Such a one, through his pride and disobedience, even comes to lose fraternal charity in his heart, since his love is turned in totally on self. Just as the obedient man begins to taste the joy of heaven even in this world, the disobedient suffers the torments of destruction even in this life. 
Having completed his description of the bitterness of soul that comes from disobedience, the Lord returns to the rewards and beauty associated with obedience. He tells Catherine that it is not the works one does, nor the length of time that one works, that are the measure of the reward for a good and obedient soul, but rather the measure of love with which one undertakes obedience. The Father tells Catherine that if one becomes prompt in the virtue and the spirit of obedience, he begins to obey as soon as he even understands the intention of the superior, let alone the word of the order given. This comes from an inner assurance that what is asked under obedience will always lead one to the will of God. God reminds Catherine that throughout salvation history, he worked many miracles in order to show how pleasing obedience is. After a series of examples coming from the desert fathers of the early church, he reminds her that to the obedient person, even the forces of nature are submitted. A biblical example includes the three young men who were cast into the fiery furnace for their obedience to God in the kingdom of the Babylonians. Because they were obedient to the Lord, they were delivered unharmed. The one who is obedient in all things crosses the tempestuous sea of life with a calm and serene mind and tranquility of heart. Since selfishness has been put to death, all disordered fear is dissipated. One who has dwelt continuously in the cell of self-knowledge knows this essential truth that God is he who is, and that the soul is the one who is not. This central and often repeated truth in the prayer of Catherine is the starting point for true humility, to know that we as creatures receive all from God and must in every moment rely on Him, gives us the strength to surrender to His will in all things. The obedient man passes his days of this life in peace and enters into the peace of eternal life. The father pledges to Catherine the reward of the obedient soul, saying, Thus, then, the obedient man, with the light of faith in the truth burning in the furnace of charity, anointed with humility, inebriated with the blood, in company with his sister patience, and with self-contempt, fortitude, and enduring perseverance, and all the other virtues, that is, with the fruit of the virtues, receives his end from me, his creator. In the second to last section of the book, the father revisits the major themes of the whole work. Catherine desired knowledge for herself, and the Lord revealed that she will come to this by coming to know herself and God through the light of faith, in the cell of self-knowledge. She then asked of him mercy for the whole world, which he in his infinite goodness never ceases to offer through the merits of the blood of Christ. She prayed for Holy Church, and that it be delivered from persecutions, and that she could endure suffering for its purification. He had reminded her that no finite work can undo the infinite damage of sin, but that Christ made of himself a bridge to reunite heaven and earth. Anyone who is willing to climb the bridge of Christ by rising from his feet to his side to his mouth 
and moving from imperfect servile fear to filial fear to love of perfect union with God will be saved. The Lord assured Catherine that he sends the light of the Holy Spirit that souls might judge aright on which road they walk, that of the river or of the bridge, not only in this life and at death, but at the final judgment. By way of what we have chosen, we will enter into the glory of the blessed or suffer eternally. But the Father assures Catherine that the long endurance and faithfulness to prayer of those who serve him will aid in the reform of his bride, the church. He then pointed out how important the gift of the priesthood is and the excellence of the sacraments, especially of the Holy Eucharist. Showing her the profound gift of the priesthood, he let her see how pleasing to him is the soul of a holy priest and how fervently she ought to pray and offer penance for priests who are unfaithful to God and his people. Inviting her to pray for the reform of the church, he revealed to her the different kinds of tears and how as the soul is purified, tears become less self-centered and more cleansing for the soul itself and for the world. The father reminded her that his divine providence governs all things and that he wills to sanctify his people in truth since he made us to possess eternal life and showed forth his loving plan most effectively through the blood of the only begotten Son, the Word. Finally, he revealed that the path to life is walked in obedience, while the path of death and destruction is marked by disobedience. In infinite love, he gave us his Son, not only to be the perfect model of obedience, but also to be our Savior, who by the saving blood shed for us cleanses our souls and fills us to walk in the grace of obedience. The final passages of the dialogue capture Catherine's heart poured out in prayer. She thanks and praises God for hearing her prayer and enlightening her by the light of faith and truth. She expresses profound gratitude for the Father's infinite mercy in the forgiveness of her own sins, and she begs for the grace of the Holy Spirit to purify all the powers of her soul and body. She begs to be set aflame with the divine charity and bathed in the blood of Christ crucified. In the midst of her stream of prayer of intercession is found the prayer with which we have opened each episode in this series and which she calls upon the Most Blessed Trinity with heartfelt desire to know and taste the goodness of God ever more fully. She praises God who has revealed his wisdom to her so that she can walk in the light of truth and not in darkness. She realizes that even the desires of her heart were placed there by God and that he has been good enough to respond to those desires. Thus she concludes with the following words. Having first given the grace to ask the question, thou repliest to it, and satisfiest thy servant, penetrating me with a ray of grace, so that in that light I may give thee thanks. Clothe me, 
clothe me with Thee, O eternal truth, that I may run my mortal course with true obedience and the light of holy faith, with which light I feel that my soul is about to become inebriated afresh. This concludes the 19th episode of our series and the end of the Treatise of Obedience and of the Dialogue of Divine Providence. Next time we'll be considering the transit of the saint as described in a letter of one of her contemporaries, which is found at the end of the Tan edition of the Dialogue of St. Catherine of Siena. We will also reflect on the lasting legacy of St. Catherine of Siena for the Church and for the world. Until then, may we too give praise and thanks to God for the truth of His Word and the grace of His love and walk in humble, loving obedience. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. This has been an episode of The Commentaries, a podcast brought to you by TAN. To follow the show, study more of the greatest Catholic classics, and to support the commentaries and other great free content from TAN, visit tancommentaries.com to subscribe and use coupon code COM25 to get 25% off your next order, including the dialogue and countless more spiritual works to deepen your interior life and guide you to heaven.